Hello and welcome to At First Glance, a podcast where we take a glance at movies, television, anime, video games, and let you know if they are worth a second. Today we are talking our top 10 movies of 2020, and I'm your host, Jeremy McKinley, joined by... Brian Powers. Welcome back, sir. Welcome back. It's been a minute. Good to be back. Yes, we made it through 2020. We made it. We're here. We're here to talk some movies. I'm actually pretty excited to hear uh, your list along with mine, just because I'm. Uh, I guess hope that they're like. Because I remember last uh, last year, our our list was uh, relatively pretty different, minus like one or two movies. So. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm and this year has been so weird uh, in terms of uh, what's come out uh, all over, you know, scattershot all over the place, so I'm interested to see uh, if we have many the same or none at all. Yeah, I'm sure we have, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess and say we have maybe at least four. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, okay. gonna, yeah, I'm gonna take, like, 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 I'm gonna just throw that out there now and see where we are by the end of this podcast. That's a healthy number. It is a healthy number. I didn't want to go quite five. I'm not that bold, but. (laughs) (laughs) So well, I guess we will see. All right. Well, let's start off with number ten, Mr. Powers. Give me your number ten. Yes, uh, this is a movie called Summerland. Uh, It's uh, uh, starring Gemma Arterton. Okay. And. the plot, it's about a, uh, she's a writer who's, like, reclusive and, like, uh, cold, uh, and she has to take in a young boy who's an evacuee from the London Blitz, uh, during World War Two. Okay. So, um, I'm, I, I actually didn't really know Jim Arterton that well, like, I had seen her in that bad... Uh, Adam Sandler movie Murder Mystery that was on like Netflix. Yeah. Uh, which not great. Wait, that's where you first saw Gemma Arterton? That, that is the first. Well, she was in like Quantum of Solace, right? Yeah. Also, not a great movie. Uh, no, but uh, better than Murder Mystery. <laughs> true, better than Murder Mystery. Uh, so yeah, I really hadn't seen her in like great films. And, uh, so she really was fantastic. The way, uh, she played the character, um, starts out unlikable and she does unlikable very well. Uh, and, uh, then gradually kind of softens and the way she did that, I thought was very masterful. Um, and, uh, it's essentially a film about forbidden love, uh, being open to change and uh, finding love in unex- unexpected places. Uh, there's also like a uh, the f- forbidden love angle is there's uh, some uh, it's like a queer romance that they do some flashbacks about oh, okay. as well. So it's it's one of those and kind of talks about how hiding your true self slowly kind of suffocates you from the inside out. Yeah, I've, I've 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 actually been I've like kind of realizing there's been like a uh, a bunch of like period piece like LGBT like movies like lately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, on my list last year was um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Watched that earlier this year. It was fantastic. That's that's a great movie. I I actually want to rewatch that movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, good stuff. Alright, uh, so yeah, that is my number 10. Cool. Well, my number 10 is going to be a lot uh, a lot less prestigious than yours, sir. <laughs> uh, mine's just straight up <clears throat> straight up action. As a, Because we didn't really have a summer this year for film, uh, this, uh, this movie definitely was light on the action films. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I love me some good action, some blockbuster spectacle. And uh, I got that uh, in spades, for my case anyway, with the movie Extraction that came out with um, Chris Hemsworth. And uh, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, I because uh, I, I love me some action, and you know, I, I need something to fill that. And this, and it was for me anyway. I think it was a uh, pretty much. It, it was like it was the John Wick of this year <laughs> in terms of like some excellent action. And, uh, you know, a decent, you know, and, and what I think was, a, a, you know, an above decent story with some really good acting as well. So uh, I, I thought it was an adrenaline-fueled uh, great ride. Uh, there's this one uh, one take action piece. I don't know if you've seen the movie yet. I haven't. But there's this one uh, car chase that turns into a gunfight, which turns into a knife fight that's made to look like it's one shot. And damn. <laughs> Yeah, I heard. I heard that they like put the director yeah. like on the hood of a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually watched uh, one of my favorite uh, B movie action stars. This guy named Scott Adkins has this show called Art, uh, "The Art of Action," and he just talks to uh, he talks to like you know like like action film stars from you know from like the eighties and nineties as well as like action directors, and they talk about like just you know, the craft of, like, crafting, like, good action, good fight scenes, good chase scenes, and he talked uh, in depth about how he actually made that scene, so it was really a, it was really a labor of love, and this is, uh, I, I, you know, a guy that comes from the John Wick crew, you know, branching out, he was actually also Chris Evans' uh, stunt double in, like, in uh, Winter Soldier, so he's done a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes work as well as on camera, but you wouldn't know his face as he's generally doubling somebody else, so... But uh, but this is like his first. Uh, this is his debut behind the camera, with him in full control. And boy, was I satisfied. So uh, Sam Hargrave, uh, I'm looking forward to whatever else you do, sir. Uh, keep it up. <laughs> so with that, so with that, let us drop down to number nine, Mr. Powers. Number nine. Uh, this one is actually an animated movie. The deuce, you say. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, it is actually an animated movie. I watched two this year, uh, and uh, this isn't the one everyone's talking about. This one is uh, Wolf Walkers. Okay, is that the is the is it Scottish or Irish? Irish. I, uh, Irish, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's like uh, kind of a mix of Irish folklore and uh, Irish history, and... Uh, Having to do it, basically, it's like a ecological uh, parable of sorts. Mm-hmm. Which you know me, that's that's right down that's, my alley. You're singing, uh, you're singing Brian's song right now. So. Uh, you're, you're singing my tune uh, because it talks about trying to uh, tame the wild, uh, tame the natural world. Uh, it also goes into talking about. Uh, you know, uh, commentary on um, the Irish resistance to British rule. It was uh, a metaphor for the evils of uh, colonization. 
because taming the like savage beast that's the words they used mm-hmm. uh, during those times it's also uh the two main characters are, are girls and it's just like a you know it definitely a, a feminist movie kind of critiques gender norms and uh patriarchal structures but it is a beautiful beautiful looking animation style um the uses of greens and oranges and yellows really gives you that uh, autumnal uh feeling to it especially when they're out in the wild um the way they just mixed it together it just looked like a a mosaics just like a, a a painting on the wall it was absolutely just spectacular yeah and, and you you know coming from me that's saying something yeah that's, that's <laughs> definitely a, i was shocked one even made it on your list so you know that's a, that's two out of the last three years yeah i've had one on my list yeah so when 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 something hits me it hits me and uh and this one definitely hit me um it also packs a real emotional punch. Uh, the, the characters and the relationships they form together um, are, are really interesting. So uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a pretty good movie. Uh, it's kind of about the, these two girls. They find each other out in the woods, and um, one of the, there's there it almost like a werewolf thing, but like happy werewolves. Kinda, ha- happy werewolves. Deal. So like it sounds yeah. like the you know the animals in Harry Potter where you turn into one and you're just an animal because you want to be, not because like you're cursed. Pretty much, yeah, like the animagus yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so it's kind it's kind of like that. That's uh, yeah, and then her, but the main character's uh, father. Uh, is a hunter is supposed to kill the wolves, and then uh, this that, so- you know uh, this conflict. sounds yeah this sounds very much like similar to Brave. A little bit, a little bit, but it's it's got its well. I've Hopefully, also better though. Brave. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't seen Brave. I, I personally hate Brave, so but, okay. But but uh, but it but it had a very similar thing where like the mom gets turned into a bear and like bears are like the thing that are the thing that the village hates and they kill on sight. So <laughs> it was very much like shit. I gotta not have them kill my mom before they realize it's my mom. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it takes a few different turns than, than that. Although, like I said, I haven't seen Brave, so but I, I really enjoyed this movie. Well, that's cool. I'll check it out. And it's called what again? Wolf Walkers. Wolf Walkers. Okay, yeah. I, I think, wasn't this um wasn't there also a movie called The Secret of Kells that was done in a similar animation style? I think. Yeah, I, I want to say this director, and I, I don't have his name off offhand but he's done like an irish folklore like trilogy of sorts okay and they're all animated and they're all animated okay so this so, um, so it's probably so, so this is probably like his like his style and so he, he's and they're kind of all connected in like uh so in some way just from like the style to like just they're all about like the folklore of the culture right yeah so it's tom moore is one of the directors and his previous films were the, the Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. Yeah, Song of the Sea was the one I've heard. So I've heard of both of those, and I just haven't seen either of them. So, mm-hmm. but I've heard of so them for the, sure. So it, I think they have like thematic similarities. 
Yeah, I think I'll probably just like take a like like take a week and just watch all three <laughs> and get myself yeah. uh, caught up. I haven't seen either of the other ones, but watching this movie and liking it makes me want to check them out for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you may see uh, this particular movie as a um, as an exception to your animation rule, but I call but I want to call it character growth. So. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Maybe maybe I'm moving past my anti-animation yeah. phase. Yeah. I'm going to guess in 10 years, your list will be nothing but animation. <laughs> we'll see. It's like live action. What's that bullshit? <laughs> I hate that stuff. And then I never watch live action again. Again, yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's so limiting. <laughs> Why do you guys watch this? Like, like, just just seeing real people hurts my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I see that enough in the real world. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like movies used to be about escapism, but now they're like, let's make it more like real life. And I'm like, fuck, can I <laughs> give me some fantasy shit, please? <laughs> it's true. You know, that's, that's funny you say that because I think a, a lot of uh, I've got a couple of fantasy things on here, but. A lot of them are more like real life yeah. than uh, other years. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to say that I, I don't like my real. I don't like my things to like have something to say, but at the same time, sometimes I do want to escape. So, it's true. All right. Well, I will hop over to my number nine, sir. And my number nine is The Hunt. <laughs> came out er, came out uh, early this year. It was one of the few films that like actually came out, you know, in theaters right before the pandemic started. Uh, I actually didn't see it until like a month ago when my girl and I went to the uh, the drive-in and they were doing a um, they did a double feature with uh, the movie Freaky. <laughs> okay. And so huh. and so interesting uh, double feature. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I didn't like Freaky all that much, but Lord, did I yeah. like the hunt? Did you see the hunt? I did see the hunt. Uh, I saw it when it uh, it came out on uh, like in March, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I didn't see it in theater. I saw it at a home theater. Okay. You know, home. Yeah. At home. But uh, yeah, I thought that, like here's the thing. This movie was was sold differently <laughs> than what it right. is, and the way it was sold really turned me off because it was like it seemed almost like overtly woke, and <laughs> all the and all the ways that annoy the shit out of me. And so I was like, ah, oh, right, no. And then I heard that it was actually like n- nothing like it was or nothing like it's uh, like it was sold. And so, you know, yeah, eventually I see it. And this is this is probably to me, probably the f- uh, the funniest movie I've seen all year. <laughs> I thought it was I, probably next to my uh, one other movie, uh, probably next to one other movie uh, in this list. It's it, it, uh, to me, I haven't laughed harder this year. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. Just. The fact that it was fair and took shots at both political sides to me was what I needed because I've seen just I've I've seen so much of of so much venture off from just one side going at a, you know going at another that it just the, the you know the arguments or the shit talking just never feels quite balanced 
And so to have a movie where, you know, where, you know, like, you know, where both sides, you know, get their licks in and you kind of, you know, see uh, both sides' uh, shortcomings really uh, was really enjoyable. But, but it was also like not preachy in its sense either. Like it, like it had a lot of fun with it. If you were to mix a political satire with like Hunger Games. And so uh, I thought it was just a blast. And I, and I was, I've been thinking about it ever since I saw it. I, I definitely want to watch it again. So Yeah, I, I saw this movie. Um... Uh, I did like kind of the the like dark humor of it and the action thriller uh, parts of it. I just felt like I didn't think it went deep enough on the social satire to really satisfy me. But uh, I'm glad that you got all that out of it uh, because I mean it, it was I didn't hate it or anything like that. I enjoyed myself. It, it was worth the money I paid, but uh, yeah, it just didn't quite rise up there for me. But I'm glad it did for you. Yeah, and you know, I think maybe it got so high for me also because I was coming at it from I don't know, so I had no expectations. So, um, and I just and 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 it just shot up there. I, I just was having just you know a blast watching it. The great lines from like you know, like we can call them black now. And he's like, where did you hear that from? And he's. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's like NPR, and he's like who? And he's like, honey, who owns NPR? And he's like, sorry, fucking white people. <laughs> it's like you're like just like just stuff like that. I was like, all right, this movie, this movie is having fun, and yeah. I, I will say that there is definitely, uh, with the exception of a couple couple movies that I've seen this year that I really liked, a lot of movies I've, I've been feeling a lack of fun, and so I just like I had to like throw like you know like one just really fun movie on this list for sure. Like I like I'm trying to like hit a little bit of all the things uh on my list in terms of the feelings and, and the highs cuz cuz all these movies didn't like each movie hit something super high for me that uh that only that movie did for me this year. So uh my my number 9 is the the most fun I've had just watching a movie all year. But let's hop down to number 8, Mr. Powers. All right. Uh my number 8 is a, I would call it more of a dramedy film. Um, it is called St. Francis. St. Francis, okay. Yes. Have you seen this one? I have not even heard of it. Okay. I hadn't heard of it until uh, I was looking at some year-end list to see what I hadn't seen, and I uh, checked it out. And so this is about uh, a uh, 34-year-old woman who's kind of adrift. And uh, she's seeing her friends settle down, and she's still trying to figure out what to do with her life. And uh, she gets a job nannying uh, a six-year-old. Problem is, she doesn't really like kids. Uh, And uh, she gets this job right after having an abortion as well. Woo. So, yeah. Sounds heavy, but they it, it's there are some pretty funny moments in this film. Um, if you think of it, it's kind of like think of like knocked up going down a vastly different path. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is a very uh, a feminist film. Uh, with a lot of strong female characters. Uh, so the main, the main person, uh, 
Her name is Bridget, and she's played by Kelly o- O'Sullivan. Um, I had never heard of her before. She did a lot of theater and things like that. Uh, she actually uh, wrote this and starred in it. And then her partner was the director, and he was a first-time director. Mm. So it's a very, like, indie movie. And, um, and uh, but there, but there's... A lot of strong female characters, um, all of who are struggling with a variety of different things. Um, the family that she's nannying for is a lesbian couple. Uh, one just had a child. The other one is going off to work. Um, and uh, the one who just had the child is struggling with postpartum depression. The other one feels inadequate because they're never there. Uh, Bridget herself is dealing with the uh, physical and emotional uh, consequences of having the abortion and still just trying to figure out what the hell she's going to do with her life. Yeah. Um, I kind of empathized with this movie uh, in the, like, adrift millennial aspect (laughs) Because, because I almost feel like that. Um, although I do have like a job and everything, I did spend like six years pretty much living outside, out of my car. And, uh, uh, so now I'm just like catching up with the, uh, like the adult things I was supposed to do like years ago. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I really, really empathized with it. Um, I, there was also a few great one-liners um, after she she tells someone um, that she uh, had an abortion. She just starts crying. It's a very like touching scene, and all of a sudden, as soon as she starts crying, she says, "I don't even know why I'm crying. I'm an agnostic feminist," and I don't know why that hit me so hard. I just I think it was just her delivery. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, it just had me laughing. Like I had to pause it because it had me laughing. Uh, it was just like perfectly executed in that like moment. Went to, it was one of those. Went to, what was the setup for the, uh, or for the punchline of the joke? So all it was, um, was she, so she had just, she had just told, uh, someone that she had an abortion and then, mm-hmm. um, they asked, uh, she asked if she thinks, uh, she's like, you know, a terrible person and she says no. And then all of a sudden she just starts breaking down crying. Uh, uh-huh. Bridget does. Uh-huh. And then she says, I don't even know why I'm crying. I'm an agnostic feminist. Huh. So it just has, she could be cause she's crying about the, uh, the abortion. Yeah. Gotcha. I see. Yeah. What it, it, it was just a, the, Delivery, yeah. Even though she had to be there. Yeah. Like, for some reason, the way she delivered it just looks funny, which is great because it was like a very emotional scene. So yeah. A little bit of levity. Yeah. I, I got even you. Know if I was supposed to laugh, maybe I just laugh when I'm uncomfortable. Huh. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I thought I thought it was really cool. It was a it's a like honest and raw exploration of what it means to both be a modern woman as well as a millennial in her thirties trying to figure shit out. Cause I'm a millennial in my thirties trying to figure shit out. <laughs> you know, we're all just drifting through life. Just, just, just trying to just catch something to hold on to. <laughs> yeah. And, and 
that that's kind of the, the crux of this movie is like everyone's just trying to figure it out no matter how much they think they look like they got their shit together they're just as confused as you are i don't know that's 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 the that's that uh, that realization you realize your parents didn't know shit <laughs> Right? They're just people. <laughs> they're just like they're just you know they're you know they're you know they're valuable. They they make mistakes. They 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 make it up as they go. <laughs> exactly. You know they're like, what did my mom do? I guess I'll try that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't like that. I guess I got to try my own thing. What is that? What is that? What is my own thing? Nice. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. And um, yeah, it, it's just. Same, same here. And uh, one thing I did want to mention is the uh, kid in this movie, played by Ramona Edith Williams. You know, kids can be hit and miss. Oh yeah. In uh, movies, especially, it, it all depends on how they're uh, written. And a lot of times, kids are written just like tiny adults. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's, I feel like you get that when you're like, when you have like Aaron Sorkin or Shane Black, <laughs> like, cause they right. can't, like, like every kid is just like smarter than the adult. I'm like, that's not how really, that's not how real kids talk, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think of the kid in like Iron Man three. Yeah. Shane Black. <laughs> yeah. Shane Black. So, uh, so she's not like that. Like I, I would call her precocious, but at the same time, she's just trying to, to figure things out, and she's got a lot of uh, uh, questions, and you know, um, and she's learning along with uh, Bridget, and she kind of shows her the light a little bit. But uh, the way she did it was just like perfectly executed. Cool, cool. Well, I'll have to check that one out, man. This one definitely went under the radar. So, uh, definitely for me, because no one I knew was even talking about it. So, thank you, sir. Yeah, I will no throw, I will throw it on my to-catch-up list. What do you got? Uh, my number eight comes from the modern-day Stanley Kubrick, uh, the one, the only, the Christopher Nolan, and we're talking about Tenet. Uh, I, 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 uh, I really, really, really dug this film. Did I understand all of it? No. <laughs> because that's, because, I, and I honestly think that was literally, that was really on purpose because that's what nolan has seemed to be doing lately he was trying he's trying to i feel like he's getting more like kubrickian with his filmmaking in terms of like how vague can i make my shit in it and people still want to like <laughs> keep watching it because <laughs> they'll like have all this information and you're and you're like i what i i think that makes and a but and i think maybe and then you're like i think and then all i do something that's like oh that was really cool and then you're like so what was that about i i think I, and, and then you think about it more and more and i watch it and so much of it for me anyway fits together and uh it's, it's one of those things where it's rare that uh i watch a movie and want to watch it again like right after and uh this one was definitely uh definitely the case and uh, i just uh I had a ball with it even though my uh my my mind was trying to hang on for dear life because it, it was a lot of uh expository dialogue but luckily it was delivered by uh so some good expository dialogue oh yeah <laughs> for sure so but <laughs> But I feel like uh, felt like Charlie Day, you know, always sunny. Yeah, the, uh, the strings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, for sure. This definitely felt uh, 
very uh like Christopher Nolan's going like going for this new love th- like for this new experimental thing because he's probably the he's probably you know the only director that gets to experiment with two hundred million dollars. <laughs> so right, yeah. But getting to see like basically like the first black James Bond <laughs> and like a you know like a really cool kind of time manipulation movie. <laughs> I thought was uh, I, th- I thought was fun. I really enjoyed uh, John David Washington again. Uh, as the uh, first time I saw him was in Black Klansman, and I think he's great here. Uh, Nolan does that does the thing he did kind of in um what's that war movie he did Dunkirk, where he kind of like m- kind of um, purposefully uh, ignores character development for sake of like just higher concepts, theme, and spectacle. And just tries to see if he can just kind of make make that experience work within itself without having to um, almost like I feel like he's purposely handicapping himself and seeing if he can still like make something that people can enjoy. And anyway, in terms of this one for me, I did thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Um, well, uh, I, I like the way you put that because um, uh, of kind of not doing the character development on, on certain characters. And I, I think that's where I kind of had the problem is I'm a person who loves character development. And I love like character people. This wasn't that this was like, you know, exposition, exposition, more exposition and uh, cool action scene, more exposition. And uh, it was just a lot like there, there's this whole scene with Michael Caine, where he doesn't even stand up. Um, that <laughs> he doesn't need to, Brian. <laughs> he he's Michael Caine. <laughs> he is Michael Caine. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it just seemed to be... I, I got the overall gist of it. Of course, I didn't get everything. Um, but... Yeah, just the exposition was just overload for me. And by the end, I was like, yeah, I get it for the most part. Cool. And uh, I just wasn't very passionate about it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I definitely get the uh, the disconnect. You know, I, I think I've uh, learned to not uh, judge movies for what they're lacking if that uh, if what's missing was purposely in in the design, if you know what I mean. So I right. like, so, you know, so I'm like, well, there's no character development. I'm like, yeah, but it didn't suck at that because it wasn't trying that. Like, there was just no answer there. It wasn't like they gave the wrong answer. <laughs> it was just like not like, and so I, I, I kind of feel weird holding something against a film it wasn't trying to do. So, so, but yeah, uh, I think I'm just like an empathy machine where I'm just like trying to grab on to a character to empathize with, and that's why, like, I mention a lot in my move uh in my list is like oh i empathize with that person or this thing about empathy or that's a great character development and so i'm it's just it's just taste Oh yeah, is what it comes down to. Oh yeah, and I mean, like nine, and like nine out of you know my ten movies on my list are you know are, are character things, but this one just happened to be the one where there you know there was little to no character development, but it worked for me. So with uh, with that, uh, let's move on. Lucky number seven, Mister Powers. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about fun. Yeah. Um, earlier, you know, the, the, this next one, uh, I just had a whole bunch of fun. Uh-huh. Uh, I first saw it on July 4th uh, when it came out and uh, 
some people may say it's a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going to throw it on because it's my list, and that is Hamilton. Hamilton, okay. I just had fun with this. I, it was, it, I'm a history just, I'm a huge history buff, and I wanted to see it uh, since, you know, it blew up in, what, like 2016. And uh, so when I heard it was going, dropping on Disney Plus on uh, 4th of July, I just had to watch it. And, I mean, it was everything I hoped it to be. Uh, it was fun. Uh, I had some, I mean, just the, the hip-hop, the songs were fantastic. And I'm not really a musical guy in the first place, so uh, it really just like really spoke to me if something is good it doesn't matter what genre it is i'm gonna like it if it's really really good and i felt like it that was the um what it was with with hamilton and you know it was just a time where you know we're in quarantine and usually fourth july hang out with friends i just felt like just pure joy like i was almost hanging out with friends even though I was in my house by myself. Yeah, this uh, I I saw this. I, I think I I had to watch this in two parts because it was like super long. <laughs> it's long. It's like three hours. It's like long. yeah. So like I think I watched an hour and like luckily because it's a play, it actually had an intermission. So I literally just, so, I, so, I, so I literally watched the intermission like one evening and then finished it in the morning. But uh, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it as well. Uh, I think I gave it because my my lady got obsessed with it. To the point that I stopped liking it, not because it wasn't good, but because she wouldn't stop singing those fucking songs. I, I would, I, I would come home after work. She'd be like, "Here comes the president, <laughs> General Washington," and I'm like, "Oh gosh, ah, I get it, <laughs> I get it. It's good." <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I thought it was, a, I thought it was really good. It, it felt like the love child of like the History Channel and BET. <laughs> I mean. I thought the uh, the uh, the singing to rapping uh, just transitions in certain songs were phenomenal. Uh, there's this one chick. Well, my favorite song in that play was uh, I forgot what it was called, but uh, you know what's her name? Sister. She has her song about like her missing her chance with Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, that song to me is my favorite song in the entire one because she does like a full on rap and then goes into singing and then back to rap, back to singing, and she just fucking blows it out of the water for me. So uh, it, it was it was it was definitely a uh, uh, visually amazing. I love how they used uh, that kind of uh, 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 that rotating floor to great effect in the uh, just in all just in the just in the visuals from like. You know how characters are dancing, dancing or moving around to like the end when he fires up in the air, and they kind of have this long song monologue before, like as the bullet slowly travels in slow motion. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, that part was so. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was incredibly visual for a play, given that you know most plays have to be more more uh, dialogue heavy because it's because you can only have so many settings right right but uh yeah uh it, it definitely it definitely didn't it definitely didn't make my list but i definitely uh thoroughly enjoyed it and i i, I believe actually i gave it a nine out of ten when my lady asked me what i would give it and she was pissed because she was like no this is like perfection why would you give it anything high lower than a 10 <laughs> and i'm like well that's my opinion and she's like well you're wrong sir <laughs> 
So, so that, that that was kind of my well, I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, but one that just like hit me at the right time, gave me so much joy, uh, and I just had to put it somewhere on my list. Yeah, it's definitely the most like you know it, it feels almost like a Disney musical. <laughs> In terms of like, in terms of its production, like the you know, like minus the fact that it's about like the Revolutionary War and there's like affairs going on and and people getting shot and murdered and stuff. But uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, really good. It actually also reminded me of. Did you ever see Chirac? No, I would. Uh, uh, still haven't seen that. I would definitely recommend watching that now that you've seen um, Hamilton because it's very good. It's like it's very much because uh, it's based on a Greek play, but it's like hip. But it's played like hip hop Shakespeare, and so like a lot of people like talk in like rhyme, but like hip hop rhyme. But they're but it's uh it's really good, and it feels very similar to Hamilton with, you know, people talking in rhyme and you know kind of hip hop layered bars and stuff. So I, I highly recommend that one now that you've seen Hamilton. All right, yeah, I just uh, re-listened to our one of our episodes, and you uh, mentioned that. I don't yeah. want to mention it because it might uh, come up on my list later. Alrighty, <laughs> might. <laughs> I don't want. I guarantee not to mention it because it might come up later. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> definitely maybe. Uh, definitely maybe. What do you got? What uh, you got next? Number seven, uh, one that we talked about. I'm not sure if we talked about it in person or over the phone, but the Five Bloods. By uh, and that was the one I was talking about. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and that is also up my list of it. Ah, okay, but okay, so that's one for me so far in terms of uh, crossing the streams. <laughs> do uh, do you want me to just uh, go ahead and tell you where that ranks? Ah, sure. We can just cover it now together. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, I'm kind of making this decision right now. Ooh, an audible. I've been going. I, I've been going back and forth. I have it at number two. Damn, Negro. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I really liked this movie. <laughs> Apparently more than liked to get number two spot. <laughs> I know. I love this movie. There we go. Um, that sounds better. <laughs> I also uh, rewatched it with my parents when I was back home. Uh, what was it for my birthday? And uh, I got to see it through their eyes. I always like watching movies through their eyes because they're like, I consider them like the average movie-going public. Yep, the general and, audience. Yeah, the general audience. And, and I don't think my mom really enjoyed it, but she didn't really like, you know, action or war movies of any kind. But my dad oh, yeah. was like all in it. Oh, yeah, you said you're... All in it. Yeah, you even said that you and your dad bond over those kind of movies, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how, yeah, we watched like the Rambo movies indiana jones like he he introduced me to all that stuff nice sounds like sounds like a good dad but yeah this was a good one this was um this is the second time spike lee's like made it onto like one of my top 10 lists in like the past few years so good for him uh yeah but, i but, had i had black Klansman on my list a couple years ago too yeah i think i had black i, I don't know if i had black Klansman. maybe i did but i know i had Chirac on my list of the year that came out nice. so but yeah, uh, this one was just another one, and it, again, like his stuff kind of comes out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like when they drop, because he doesn't really like have a lot of build up to like, hey man, you hear about the new Spike Lee joint coming out? Like no one ever says that. And it's just like he just it just drops somewhere at some point in time, and then people are talking about it. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely enjoyed this one. Uh, enjoyed. Uh, 
all the themes. Uh, he, he he loves to tackle like you know like uh, just just interesting uh, angles of Black history that just aren't tackled anywhere else, <laughs> which I really enjoy. Yeah. Like he did Miracle at Saint Anna, where you know it was a war, it was like a war movie about you know black people in World War Two and stuff. Because it's like, hey, what you know they like were segregating platoons and shit <laughs> by race, <laughs> and why don't we talk about that? And everybody's just like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling that right now. Let's do that maybe in like ten years when this BLM movement uh, gets hot. And then we can cash in on it. But I digress. This movie, I, I, I thought was, uh, I thought was good. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was very. It felt very experimental for him in terms of like just the things he was doing with, uh, with just uh, the kind of ways he was shooting it. Like the old flashbacks felt like an old war movie from the seventies. Yeah. And then like you know, the, and then he would like switch like like I believe he was like actually switching the actual uh, aspect ratio was, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was going there. I think there were like three different aspect ratios he was switching between. Yeah, and so I really love that. Uh, just I mean, just it opening with like just real footage that was haunting. <laughs> Like I, you know, I, I, I think I was eating something, and then there's a, there's an actual footage of someone just getting shot in the head, and it's like real footage, and it like yeah. it, it rocked me to the core because I was like, oh fuck, that was, that's not, that's not filmed. That I mean, that's filmed, but it's not like made up. That that just happened. Like that actually happened. Yeah, and, uh, and, and it just like it out <laughs> yeah it just and you're and i was and i was like fuck that was shit wow because you know i i don't I, like i'm not one to go on and go on to youtube or the internet and watch like snuff videos or people getting like executed <laughs> so I, I definitely have coddled eyes when it comes to seeing actual death so yeah uh, that one definitely rocked me and um yeah, uh, Delroy Lindo for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, my review is done. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, th- that's, a, that's an interesting thing. Would you say supporting actor? Or I, I would almost, I mean, it is an ensemble, but I would almost call it lead. You, would you call it lead? Because here's the thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a lead actor in the movie. Like I would like 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 I would say like like everyone is kind of like doing their thing, and I would guess he has. Well, I mean, I would guess he's given some of the juicier stuff in terms of you know like definitely you know being the only brother there that's like a Trump supporter. So he so for an actor, I'm sure that's like, that's definitely ripe for like interesting conflict and stuff. But and but in terms of like yeah, I mean, he, and, he, and he does definitely get like. He, I mean, he basically has a monologue that's basically, and the Oscar goes to like you know when they right. show like like you know when they show their reel for like why they've been like chosen or nominated. Like it's just gonna be that scene. I know it already. Yeah, I, I guess I just saw it as a two hander. Uh-huh. Uh huh. With him and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Uh, the one, uh, 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 the one with the daughter that he never met. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one with the daughter. I so I thought of it as a two hander between those guys and. Uh, so I, I, I would have called either one of those guys a lead actor in that case. Okay. I could, you know what? I mean, your argument for him, like, honestly, if he gets nominated for best actor, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be mad that it's not supporting. Well, you know, technically I'm like, he just needs to be nominated. Yeah, because- he, that, 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 that's at the end of the day. He just needs to be nominated. And, you know, honestly, I think whatever he's nominated 
four, he's probably going to win, or at least he'll be my pick. And if he doesn't win, um, I mean, it's the Oscars, so who gives a shit? But give this man some more good work. He, he's a he's a fucking titanic talent and is, and, and is underused in Hollywood, massively. Like, woefully underused. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, my number seven, uh, The Five Bloods. Your number two, The Five Bloods. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, so let's move on to uh, number six. What is your number six? Or no, I guess, I, I, I guess, yeah, number six. Number six. All right, well, my number six is, uh, it was a part of a anthology of films uh, by the director Steve McQueen. Oh, um, shit, this is that one I wanted to see, too. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so he did this small act series on Amazon Prime. For five weeks, he uh, released a movie a week. And this was actually the first one of those five. Uh, it is called Mangrove. Yeah, is it still on there? Because I, lo- I, I, I was actually looking for it. It is. I- yeah, so it's, it's under the uh, heading of small acts. So oh, okay. Whole, yeah, so if you're just looking for Mangrove, you might not see it, but look for small acts. Uh, okay, that, ex- that explains why I couldn't together. find Okay, that explains why I couldn't find it, because I was looking for Mangrove, and it just wasn't popping up. So. Yeah. Like damn it, <laughs> Steve McQueen just released another film, and I didn't. No one's saying shit about it. Yeah, mo- most of them are about uh, around seventy minutes or so, but still, that's theatrical length. Um, and uh, but this one was a full two hours. Um, it's gonna have, a, or it already has had a lot of comparisons to um, the trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh huh. Um, cause it is a biopic about, um, the mangrove restaurant in West London where there was a riot and a, a 1971 trial of the mangrove nine. Damn. That's right. That's, that's pretty on the nose. <laughs> yes. So very, very similar, uh, to it. I just think this movie does it better. Than Trial of the Chicago Seven. I like that movie. Oh yeah, we, we talked, talked about, about it. it. We ha- we had a episode about it. I thought it was fine. The ending didn't quite do it for Ooh, me. That en- that ending tripped all over itself. <laughs> and that's the last thing you see, and so that just like put a real bad taste in my mouth. That aftertaste, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, that aftertaste. But uh, yeah, this one is. Um, uh, about systemic racism, uh, police corruption, uh, talking about those who aren't afraid to stand up uh, and fight uh, for what they believe in. Um, at a certain point, so basically the, it's a restaurant where this community gathers of West Indy, people of the West Indies, and they are hounded, harassed by the police. And there are scenes where there's raids of their homes and their businesses. And the way they shoot these raids, uh, Steve McQueen, with the thundering footsteps and chaos and confusion, it really just immerses you into kind of that pain and anguish that these people are feeling because of these. And like the raids happen like constantly throughout the movie and um just really allow you to there's that word again empathize uh with that pain uh at you know uh, because of blatant racism 
that was being caused uh, by these police. Damn. And uh, I really, I really liked uh, in the beginning, it spends time in the restaurant and with the characters to give you an idea of what their pro- protagonists are fighting for. It's like a place to call their own place for their community. Um, it's a real like anchor of the whole community. And you see people just interacting, eating food, dancing, talking, just shooting the breeze. And I really appreciated that they gave you time to really just live in it for a second. Mm-hmm. And then it got into the riot and the court drama. It, uh, I'd say that the second and the third acts, it goes into a court drama. Um, whereas with the trial of the Chicago seven, that's the whole movie is the court drama, but you at least get that first act in here to, to live with the characters a little bit. That's good. That's good. Cause I feel like trial of the Chicago seven, it, it definitely kind of almost like, like each character has like their, their like two minute intro scene. Uh, like you know, like an opening montage of it, and you're and you're kind of just supposed to get an idea of the art of the kind of character type that they are, and you just kind of go into it more. But uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, and, and this way you're actually it, it's more organic. That's good. Yeah, and uh, the the headliner in this uh, movie is Letitia uh, Wright. Oh, she was a uh, Black Panther. She was also in um. She was in a great episode of Black Mirror that I really, oh, really? yeah, it was a, it was a, the finale of a season. I think it was called Black Museum. As we already know, I've already said my piece on Black Panther. However, I've seen her in other things and she's really good. So, yes, yeah, she has, uh, she gave such a powerful and affecting performance. And there's, uh, you s- spoke about Delroy, Delroy Lindo and uh, him having his like Oscar real speech. Mm-hmm. There's a speech in here, which is like an Oscar real speech that she gives. And uh, is just so passion. And um, yeah, there's just so much passion in her voice and her movement and her, in the words that she's saying uh, that it is one of those Oscar real moments oh damn you're saying so do you think that scene was oscar worthy or was her entire performance oscar worthy i think i think her the whole scene is oscar worthy or sorry her whole performance is oscar worthy for sure i don't know because this is kind of a anthology series i don't know if they're gonna count this as a television show as a movie i mean it is the uh theatrical length um you know it's two hour movie but because it was with like the anthology series and um released in episodes i don't know how the i I don't know the oscar rules or anything like that but if it was eligible i would say for sure she should get some sort of recognition well, damn, sir. I mean, I, I, I was actually. I mean, you sold it to me more. I mean, you're just like, wait. So, a black trial of the Chicago Seven, but better. Exactly. Oh, and you don't uh, get rid of the only uh, black person halfway through the movie. Oh, cool. And yeah, and also, you know, have him constantly just say the same thing. Why am I here? <laughs> yeah, give him absolutely nothing to uh, to do or say except for the same thing over and over. Over again. and over again. Yeah. 
Well, cool, cool. I'll definitely check that one out. That one's definitely on my list of uh, things to see. And I just, I, I didn't, I, I was gonna watch it weeks ago, but I didn't know it was in an anthology, so I couldn't, I couldn't find it by it. So thank you for enlightening me, sir. Yeah, the other ones are pretty. There, there's a few other ones. Um, uh, one's called Lovers Rock. Another one is, I think, uh, uh, Education. So they're all, they're all pretty good. But I would say this one was probably my favorite out of the bunch. And were they all directed by different people? No, they were all directed by Steve McQueen. Damn, so he... And, and all about the West Indie uh, community in London in the uh, sem- uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Cool, cool. Well, that was your number six, correct? That is correct. All right, my number six, we're going to go into a little horror here. I think you know where I'm going at this. Uh, this, uh, this movie probably, for me, had uh, the best tension uh, building of any film. And for me, it is Leigh Whannell's The Invisible Man. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was excellent. Um, I thought the whole angle with uh, adding in like the whole thing of like domestic, physical, and psychological abuse was a good way to ground it. So it was, you know, so that it didn't feel uh, too removed from reality. <laughs> and so this, is, this is your number five. Uh, my number six. Number six. Yeah. This is my number one. Okay. See, there we go. <laughs> I told you that's two. That's two right there. You pick. You picked off my top two. Damn. Uh, so this is this is the one I rewatched last night. Okay. Because um, I was going back and forth between the Five Bloods and the Invisible Man, and I rewatched it. And yeah, you talk about tension building. I did not realize uh, just how well they built the tension in this movie. I knew what was going to happen, and still I was, like, you're, on the edge of my seat. You were still white-knuckling it? Yeah, I was still white-knuckling it. I'm like, now this is a movie. You know exactly the beats it's going to hit. You've seen the movie, yet it's still working for you and building attention. Like, yeah, that's, that's probably, like, the best compliment I could give this movie. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, it kind of is able to use, like, use to its advantage, which would normally be kind of a kind of a handicap, is the title. Right? Is because you know that it, there's going to be an invisible man. You're kind of like, well, there's no surprise. I know there's an invisible man. You know what I mean? Like, I know, like, I'm looking for something. But at but because you know there's an invisible man, uh, they'll do this wonderful thing of just having the camera linger, and you just and there may be something there, there may not be something there, but because of the title, it like it like it alone just has you just unnervingly just like watching any little part of the room for any kind of indication of somebody being there that you can't see. <laughs> yeah, any other movie. Where you just film and scan a room, yeah, like you're getting just killed for it. But in this movie is suspenseful and terrified and you know, leaving you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Uh, just the way they did it, and if you think about it, as you know, like uh, uh, making the sausage, just like they're literally just filming an empty room but it means so much more to you as the viewer than just an empty room oh yeah and just watching every little thing like you know the whole thing where he just slightly turns up the uh you know the heat on you know the heat on the uh on the oven 
or yep. you know, or just knocks the, or, or just knocks the knife down, or just little things like that that you won't even notice until your second go because you're like you're just looking everywhere at once. So you know, just things things like that. Like like there's a shot that I love where like it follows her out of the room, but the camera just lingers in the room for an extra three yes. or four seconds, and you're just like, oh, that's fucking. Un-. And then here's the thing: like I was a nerve, but I was also like loving it, like you know, from a filmmaker's mind of like, oh, that's fucking genius. It's a good choice, excellent choice. Keep doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. This was also the, I think it was the second to last movie I saw in theaters. Ah. And also the only movie on my list that I watched in the theater this year. Really? Nice. Which I, I never thought I would have said that in any other year ever. <laughs> wow, yeah, I think... Let me see. I saw the hunt of the uh, do drive-ins count because the drive-ins count. I've seen like three because I saw Tenant at the drive-in too. So oh, nice. Yeah, I, I saw Jurassic Park at a drive-in, but that's all I've seen. Oh yeah, I saw that this year that's too. Good. I saw I saw, I saw that this year too. They had a they had a uh, it was a Jurassic Park uh, ET back to back thing going on, and we enjoyed oh, nice. that. So. You know, a little like, and it felt it felt like when I was watching. This is just a weird aside, but just watching Jurassic Park and ET back to back at a drive-in, it felt like I was in the eighties again. Even though I, even though I barely, I, I barely existed in the eighties. So same. But I, I just lived in the eighties for a total of fifty days. Uh, yeah, about me too. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yep, October, about two months. Yeah, <laughs> two, yeah. Three, yeah. like two months and change. Um, but uh, but yeah, back back to Invisible Man for a second. Lee Whannell, like yeah. this guy. Yeah. Um, he is quickly becoming one of my favorites. He's, I mean, a, he's one to watch. Because Upgrade was, uh, I think, in my top three or top five the year it came out. Lord, do I love uh, Upgrade. Upgrade's so good. Uh, which reminds me, I need to rewatch Upgrade. Yeah. Um, Dude, I need to buy Upgrade. <laughs> for a, a, what, like $2 million movie? It like does more than some hundred, two hundred million dollar movies do uh, with with its budget, and uh, and that that movie was woefully underseen. Uh, and then uh, can't say that about the Invisible Man, though. Uh, no, but I uh, but it was a uh, goodness gracious Invisible Man, good stuff. Uh, I, I kind of saw a little bit of upgrade, only in the way that he filmed that uh that great uh hallway scene when uh he when he's having all the security guards like shoot like shoot themselves and stuff yeah and so like some of the camera motion felt a little bit like that and so i got to see him like film action that way i'm just happy that that someone's doing you know doing cool low low budget stuff because the lower the budget uh the more freedom i feel like these guys have to do uh uh interesting things and take risks you know yeah and it requires you to be creative you know and, uh, you know, just one more thing before we even stop talking about this movie. Uh, fucking Elizabeth Moss, man. <laughs> She's fucking great. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, her performance. I mean, it, this movie does not work without her. Like, it, she, her performance is just, like, chock full of, like, terror and desperation, vulnerability. Uh, at the same time, like, strength and uh, resilience. Like, it's... It's crazy the depth she can get to. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Uh, she's she's definitely a talent. They they discovered her on Mad Men, and from there, it's the sky is the limit. So yeah, she's she's definitely one one of the ones that's like, oh well, at least Elizabeth Moss is in it. It's gonna be good. Like it, at the movie least might not be good, but I know she will be. At least right, and thank God. Uh, like thank God she was, you know. Not just not just the only thing, but one of most of the things. <laughs> so, and yes, number six is the Invisible Man, and you're number one. So I have now crossed the streams twice. Let's see if we can hit four. Come on, <laughs> we'll see. All right, so we're at number um, uh, now. And uh, now, what is your number five, sir? Number five. Now this is one. Funny enough, I came to uh, watch. Uh, on Christmas Day, uh-huh. and uh, it is a. Uh, it, it's hard to even describe what this movie uh, what this movie is, but it's called Spontaneous. Okay. Now, maybe the best way I can describe this movie is like a dark coming of age rom com with horror elements. Maybe um, it's one of those genre benders. Um, it's about a a couple uh, named Mara and Dylan who are uh, high school seniors whose classmates start to spontaneously combust, like just blow up or catch or just catch just, on fire. No, uh, blow up with all the gore and blood that you can handle. Huh. Okay. It, yeah. So it it's dark and twisted. It has a dark and twisted sense of humor for sure. Um, it is oozing with style and like fourth wall breaks as well. Uh, like I said, it is genre bending. Um, at times. You're laughing your ass off. Other times, you got those horror elements, especially with the uh, combustion, and and actually that happening is like very has like the the horror techniques in there. At other times, you kind of have the sci-fi fantasy end of it. There's a rom-com edge, um, coming of age, and then by the end, just like hard-hitting drama. So it is. It moves, it flows through the different genres, but it doesn't feel disjointed at the same time, which is hard to do. Huh. Um, it is, it, it's also, I was trying to bury the lead a little bit. It's essentially an allegory for, stu- for school shootings, um, just in a, like, sci-fi, horror, fantasy kind of way. Okay. Yeah. That, it, it's it's re- like I said, it's really hard to describe this movie, <laughs> um, but uh, it just grabbed me. It absolutely grabbed me. Um, it's starring Catherine uh, Catherine Langford. Okay. Who I think she was in um, Thirteen Reasons Why. She was supposed to be in in like Avengers Endgame, but she got like cut out okay i think she was supposed to like play tony's daughter like in the soul realm or something like that okay um but uh 
she's amazing in this. She has tons of range. I mean, I, I, and her character development, like within 20 minutes or even less than that, you understand her character so well. You know who she is, what motivates her, what she wants, um, and, and, you know, what obstacles uh, she comes in front of. Um, there's even a government quarantine section uh, of the movie that brings it right back to today. <laughs> and, uh, uh, like, trying to find a cure and, and things like that. So uh, it's like, oh, they didn't realize just how relevant that would have been or that was going to be uh, when they made it mm-hmm. as when it was actually released. I like that. I like that. Uh, or like the end of uh, the Five Bloods when they do the whole BLM thing. And I'm like, did he shoot this last week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it had been shot like a year prior. Yeah, I was like, this like, like this, just, this dude is clairvoyant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, no, th- this movie, it, it is hard, hard to uh, explain, but it's, uh, it's got great dialogue, sharply written, like, it's really funny at points and um, really interesting character. It's just oozing with style. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it was just a lot of fun, but it also really packs a punch by the end because uh, uh, really it's about coping with tragedy and loss and uh, trying to move forward. Nice. And it's called Spontaneous? It's called Spontaneous. Cool. Uh, well, that's definitely one that uh, caught me off guard, pun intended. Um, <laughs> and I'll definitely check that one out. Uh, my number five is definitely not on your list. <laughs> I know this for sure. And this and it is the first time. Uh, this is the first time that one of these films has ever made it onto my uh, my top ten list. It's actually probably. I will say, like, I love this movie. I'm not sure if it if it would have made my top ten list had it not been for the particular uh, limitations of movies coming out this past year. But it made my list nonetheless. In fact, it made it to number five, and that is um, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. <laughs> that is not on my list. I know, I know, because it, it is animated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so did you hear about this one? I've heard about it. So basically... Uh, in the DC animated uh, universe of movies that has been coming out for the past, like, I'm going to say almost 10 years now, maybe seven or eight to 10 years, uh, they have been kind of, you know, building up a story. And what they basically did kind of out of nowhere was just basically do like Justice League Endgame <laughs> and not tell anybody and just drop it. Like, like there was no like first, like there was no setup movie before this one. It just, they just fucking did it. And everyone, and everyone, and it was just like the end of this universe. <laughs> oh, wow. Like imagine, and, and I'm going to spoil it because everybody's because everybody has kind of a uh, has uh, it's, it's been out for a while now. But basically, imagine if like uh, the Justice League in the opening, like in the opening, you know, ten minutes, they're like, all right, we're going to go attack Darkseid on his home turf, so he doesn't ever get to Earth, right? Because once he gets to Earth, it'll just cause more damage to us, so why not just take the fight to him before he can plan? And it turns out that Darkseid is watching all of this planning through Cyborg's eyes without him knowing. And uh, when they show up to Planet Apocalypse, uh, he basically 
kills about 75 to 80 percent of them. <laughs> Whoa. And I'm talking like this, like this movie is rated R. Like Aquaman gets cut cut in half with an Omega Beam. <laughs> And yeah, like 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 bodies drop and like like within like the first ten minutes, like almost everyone like like the plan immediately is like oh fuck, and he basically Darkseid basically takes his parademons, which are like his minions, and and basically fuses them with Doomsday. So a bag. So imagine a bunch of minions that are like almost Doomsday level strong, <laughs> and they and because the I mean, I mean the league shows up and they're just like, all right, we're gonna kick your ass, and then those parademons come out they're like, oh yeah, the parademons, holy fuck, they're they're fucking Doomsdays, and then it just almost literally blacks out, and then we just cut to like years later, Darkseid has taken over the fucking planet. Uh, he has tattooed a kryptonite tattoo on Superman so that he is powerless but alive, so he can walk around to basically show people that he is no longer the person that can give them hope just to fuck with the, you know, anyone that survived. He has like people that are left are like clinging on, you know, to like whatever they have left. The, the top, the, uh, the other two, one woman has like been turned into like one of his like minions. He's actually like got back Batman as like his like tactician now. <laughs> like he's just like dark. That's just running the fucking show. <laughs> and, I'm not going to lie. It sounds badass, right? <laughs> that, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah. I mean, you know, these characters kind of like you know, and their basicness, so you can kind of just go in and not watch the previous movies and you know know what's happening. Uh, and uh, you'd be like, oh shit, because I mean, when I say Justice League Dark, it goes dark, and so like the main characters are you know are uh, Superman and. Uh, surprisingly, John Constantine is like pretty much the main character of this movie, and so it's right. and so it 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 really goes there. Um, yeah, they spare no punches. Uh, people are torn to bits. Heads are blown off. Heads are bitten off. <laughs> people are shot in the head. Limbs are lost. They go for it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna watch. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, uh, uh, they definitely go for it. It is definitely the end of this particular universe, so they definitely, uh, they don't play the whole everything is gonna be okay at the end, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Alright, so, I like it. So hopefully you check it out. Uh, I loved it as a DC fan, and as a person who likes a bit more of a serious tone, um, I may have finished a few times. <laughs> <laughs> My man. But best, uh, I, 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 will, I will say this, and it has really much no competition besides uh, Wonder Woman, which came out this year. But uh, it's definitely the best superhero movie of the year for me. So, yeah, not, yeah, there's not a lot of competition. There. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my number five, Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War, uh, uh, directed by Matt Peters and Christina Soda. Whatever they do next, um, I will watch it. But uh, excellent job, guys, on this one. Excellent, excellent job. All right, we're on to number four, I believe. Number four. Number four. All right, and for me, number four is movie by the name of Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal, you say? Yes, Sound of Metal. Brian, you've you've shot my number one. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Yeah! <laughs> there you go. So, we both ruined each other's number one. Perfect. 
Sorry, everyone else listening to this. <laughs> there is no suspense today. <laughs> no, not at all. But that oh, is- I'm so glad you saw this movie and that you uh, enjoyed it. Let's talk about let's, Sound of let's Metal. Let's talk about Sound of Metal, man. This movie. Yeah. Directed by Darius Martyr. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say, just on top of just the story, this is probably the most most I've ever just enjoyed, like like a sound mix in a movie. <laughs> oh, I mean, the the sound design was crazy. Oh yeah, it was so innovative. I mean, if, if people listening, if you haven't seen it yet. First of all, watch this movie. It's on Amazon Prime. What watch are you do- What are you doing? Just just fix yeah, it. Just, do do? just fix your entire life and watch this movie. You already know our number ones. Like whatever. Just um, just just, just, but, just stop now and come back. <laughs> yeah, they emulate his hearing loss, um, and that really allows you to like once again empathize with Riz Ahmed's character. And, you know, I really wish that I saw it in a movie theater. Like, I got a good, like, sound system and everything here. But this is one of those movies I just wanted to hear it from the speakers at a movie theater. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that uh, as I was watching it and afterwards, I was like, man, I mean, that was immersive just through my sound bar, but just imagine seeing it in the theater. Yeah, dude, just like the moment, it, like like the moment his his hearing goes out for the first time, I was like, okay, right, and I and I, I really appreciate that. And then they just kept, like you know, when uh, the, there's a moment where he kind of gets something back, and it's like it's 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 heartbreaking because you know his heart is set on like you know, getting it all back and the movie doesn't quite work out that way. In fact, it kind of, it's kind of almost sadder to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, for me, probably my favorite scene or moment was when, um, and this is not spoiling the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, but the scene when he's watching, uh, his, uh, his girl and her dad sing that song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about. And then like, and, and, and like, you know, you're hearing like most of the song through everyone else's ears and them singing. And then you kind of cut to his, his, his audio perspective and, oh my gosh, it's so sad. <laughs> it, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I love how they do that. Uh, sometimes throughout the movie, you know, where they'll like emulate the, the, what he's hearing or not hearing. And then they'll do a, a, a wide shot. Yeah. And then boom, you're back in the world of, of sound. Yeah. I love that. That was just like perfect filmmaking. Like, and they did it like a few times. And I was like, I love it. Was, but, um, but yeah, that, that particular scene, um, just, yeah, it's heartbreaking because you know that, uh, no matter what their connection is, it's just, it's different now. It's, it, it's different, but I love that it's not hopeless, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's just a different way of living now, and you can thrive in that. The problem is, is that, you know, the, the heartbreaking part is just that everything that he's, or not everything that he's about, but like, you know, his bread and butter up until that point was being a metal drummer, and that's just, 
that's just not going to be the case anymore in terms of the, you know, the, uh, like basically in the, in, in the traditional sense anyway, like if that, if he ever, you know, cause I mean like he's never going to not know how to play the drums still, but to do what he can do, it's uh, it's, he's not going to get the same joy out of it. So. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's really heartbreaking to see his desperation to, hold on to the life he once had, even though everyone around him and you as a viewer know that that's a losing battle. Yep. But he is just so obsessed with getting it back that he will do literally anything. Even though people are telling him that he's never going to get it all back. <laughs> like, they're just like, yeah. like, they're just like, try to like, we're trying, like we're trying to help you preserve what you still have. And, uh, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was great. Riz Ahmed was fantastic. Uh, he definitely, I think, uh, deserves a nomination <laughs> for sure. He was, Oh up. yeah, he was fantastic. To be honest, this is the first thing I've seen him in. That's right. I remember I, 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 I edited your review and I was like, Oh yeah, wait, you never saw Venom. Thank God. <laughs> I never saw Venom. I, I just couldn't do it to myself. And good. Uh, yeah. So this is really like I, I know the name. I know who he is, but I had never seen him act before. And uh, man, is he good? Yeah, he is. Uh, he, he he's he, he's one of those. You know, like king of all trades, like Donald Glover, where he just can do so many different mediums of entertainment and uh, be really good at it. Yeah, and uh, he, like, apparently he taught himself, uh, or he learned sign language for this. Um, he also uh, learned how to play the drums for this. He took, like, six months to do those things. Yeah, his drumming, um, yeah. I definitely, because um, I, I, I did a little bit of drumming myself, or, or have been for a while. So I'm all, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm definitely a stickler for, for when actors do something, and I know they haven't practiced that much with it. But uh, he looked, but he looked damn good on him. So, yeah, and that uh, that scene at the end or near the end uh, with uh, what's his name, Paul Racy. Uh, oh, and he has to kick him out. Yeah, yeah, man, good. With that, that like, yeah. <laughs> But that's just like an acting showcase right there. Yeah, like, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, I would give that guy also like best supporting actor nomination because he, he was great. I would too. Yeah, he was fantastic, and you know, talk about like giving and receiving because uh, that's a lot what acting is. I mean, both of those guys are just like giving and receiving uh, just everything they have to one another, and they're just feeding off each other and. Uh, Man, that that scene is just—you could see the pain in his face. Yeah, it, uh, Paul Paul Racy's face. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was great. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, great movie. Uh, it ended for me perfectly. You know, everything about it. I'm just like, all right, we're good. We're good. Sold. I I, I teared up a little at the end too. So I was like, all right, you got me. Damn it, you got me. Good call, yeah. Brian. Good yeah, call, Brian. I, I had a few issues with the the, the third act a little bit, uh -huh. um, just because he went down that path, and um, I don't know, it just felt predictable, and uh, just I don't know, it just it, the 
third act didn't work for me as well as I had hoped it would. However, that last like scene of him on the bench, yep, it perfectly uh, completed his emotional and character journey. And I was like, oh. I'm back in yep. right away. Like it, the the way, and it was so simple. But the way that that completed his journey, I mean, everything else went out of my my head in that moment. Yeah. Um. A little callback to a film we didn't put on our list, uh, Mr. Sorkin. This is how you end a movie with a with a good taste in your mouth. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're willing to forgive. Other things that you you might uh, critique, whereas it was the opposite. <laughs> exactly, you're just like I don't know, I don't know. Oh, right, you got me, you got me. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, a good ending makes up for a lot. Oh, it does for sure, <laughs> for sure. So that was your number four. Four. All right, my number four is the other movie that made me laugh super hard, the one that made me laugh the hardest this year, and that was Palm Springs. That's my number three. I'm done. Oh, did I get all four? (laughs) Did I get uh, four? You got all four. (laughs) (laughs) You you got my top four. (laughs) And I said, I'm pretty Uh, sure we're going to get four. uh, uh, We're going to match with at least four movies. you, You got it right on the button. And I was like, I'm looking at my list, and I'm like, I think Brian has that one. He probably has that one. Definitely that one and that one. So I'm going to guess four. <laughs> yeah, very good. You, 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 right on, right on the button. Num- yeah, number four. So number four, Palm Springs with uh, Andy Samberg. And I forgot, the, I forgot the lady, but she was fantastic in it as well. Uh, Kristen Milioti. Kristen Milioti, yeah. I mean, what else can we already say? We had a long podcast. About this uh, one, where we guffed all what, over what, this. One of our better ones. Yeah, that was a good one. That was an excellent one. That was one. a good one. Yeah. D- uh, directed by Max uh, Max Barbacow. Uh, guys, I, I can't find him. I can't find any of his previous work, so this must have been his directorial debut. Uh, good job, <laughs> sir. But looking yeah, forward to- you, you know what's funny? You mentioned directorial debuts. I, I put a little mark on my... I had like four or five directorial debuts on my top ten list this year. This is the year of so, first. A lot, of, a lot of new filmmakers that I'm really excited to... Uh, to, to see again and see what they do next. Yeah, and coming out, yeah, and coming out the gate strong. Yeah, very strong. Very strong. I mean, what other movie do you, like, just laugh your ass at? Or your ass off at? And at the same time, it's like, this is also, like, deep and philosophical. And, and you know, and, and, you know and, talks about nihilism and, like, purgatory and, like, adulthood. Like, there's, like, like some real deep themes here. And, uh, but at the same time... I can just rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it because it's fucking hilarious. It, it's it's hilarious, and here's the thing: like, even if it wasn't funny, it would be like a good time. Like, it would be a good drama. You know what I mean? Like, the the characters are still good, and I always yeah. and I always liked that if you could take one aspect out of a movie, would it still be a good story? And this one uh, checks all uh, like checks all the boxes of, of of characters I would care about, and what you know, and whatever you know genre or predicament they would be in so yeah excellent job 
Yeah, this was one of my favorite, well, the quote-unquote movie-going experiences uh, this year because I literally watched this movie. Some uh, Someone said on a podcast I was listening to, watch Palm Springs now. Don't say anything else, watch Palm Springs. And I had, I had heard the word time loop. That's all I heard. Yep. And then I literally paused it and went and watched the movie. And boy, was I glad because, like, 10 minutes in, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is going on when, when uh, uh, J.K. Simmons shows up? He was like, keep running, shitbird. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Roy. And it's just... Like, what is going on? And then when you finally catch up, you're like, oh, this is genius. This is genius. Yeah, and I I, I, I take my hat off to the uh, them making the choice to begin, like, in the middle of this time loop, but not, like, at the beginning. Yeah, and just yeah, kind of, like, and you just, know, the, the way Andy Samberg said, like, damn it, Roy, is like, it's like something he's done, like, a million times. Yeah, exactly. Coming in at the, like, like I mean, you're seeing it through her eyes, but you know that he's been doing this for a minute. And so, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, really enjoyed that one. It is my number four, and it and it is your what number three? It is my number three. There you so, go, uh, sir. Yeah, it is your show. It is from here on out. It is the Jeremy show. My goodness, I. It is. It is the Jeremy show. Let me see. What do I even have left? Oh, I think I have. I have. Uh, I have three and two that uh, we did not match. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> and just 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 hop down the thing here. Uh, so, number. Before you do two, yeah. Did you want to do the? Yeah, let's. Mentions? Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And and my okay. two and my two can be the number one. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so my number three is the movie uh, that everyone else was talking about, and you know what? I'm I don't like to be a conformist, but when I see something I like, I, I fucking like it. And number three ha- definitely has soul. <laughs> yep. I, I was expecting to see this on your list. Hey, I am nothing if not predictable, sir. <laughs> <laughs> nothing if not predictable. I love me some animation. I love me some cartoons. Uh, I heard a really funny joke about this movie uh, from my nephew. He was like, "It's funny that it took like uh, so, so somebody was like uh, like uh, like simplifying like Pixar's uh, pitch meetings, and they were like." What if toys had souls? And they were like, 10 years later, what if fish had souls? And he's like, 10 years later, what if black people had souls? <laughs> and so I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, man, this one was uh, was another good one by uh, Mr. Pete Doctor and his co-director, Kemp Powers. Who um actually yes. who uh, actually wrote another movie that I, I haven't seen yet but I heard it was great. Uh, he wrote the stage play and the script for um, One Night in Miami. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'm well, lo- he's also got a strong last name. Oh, dude, uh, that name. Yeah, are you are, are you actually part black, Brian? Is I, I, have you been holding out on me? Yeah, I might be. You know, maybe like one percent or something. My man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've always wanted to be in the club. Well, uh, yeah, well, this I thought this was great. Uh, I'm actually one of those, like, 
people that like is was not born in the time where jazz was cool nor is it still cool now but my dad uh, has been playing jazz for 40 plus years i grew up in a jazz filled household so uh i mean it opens up with great jazz and i love me some jazz so the the score alone i thought was great uh done by trent ross and attic or, or trent Reznor and atticus ross uh, I thought they did a good job along with, uh, I forgot the other guy name, but they had another guy actually do all the compositions and stuff and all the, for all the jazz arrangements. But I thought, I thought that was all good. Uh, this movie has an amazing pacing, I think. Cause, uh, I believe I checked my, check my clock, uh, cause, uh, me and my lady watched it and I remember she had to like pause it for some reason to get up and do something. And we had just, we had just started it and it was probably like, five to seven minutes in and it had already established so much <laughs> like like the whole thing of 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 the whole band practice the whole thing of the girl go, you know like like getting into the zone him explaining his love of jazz the whole thing of him getting like uh like the permanent position and not liking it and and then getting his the gig he actually wants that all happens like in the first seven minutes <laughs> And it was done in such a way that I was that didn't feel rushed. I was just like, "Holy shit, that was seven minutes. That was economic as hell." <laughs> My goodness, well, well done, Pixar on just uh, on economic storytelling. But I, I, I thought it was great. I thought the voice acting, as always, uh, was great. I, uh, I thought Tina Fey was barely recognizable as twenty two. I thought, I thought she did a, uh, a, a a darn good job, and I thought the whole the whole montage with her. Uh, being met about everything and then like all, like all the people that she would mess with with their focus i thought was hilarious that was great that uh uh like like my girl didn't laugh at it because she's not a sports person but that new year uh new but york the, dude that new york knicks joke had me rolling <laughs> i've been messing with them for decades <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty funny, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely Patrick Ewing." <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought I thought uh, that that was all great. I love the. Um, uh, I will say that probably the only fallback for me on it was just like the whole switch body thing was just the most. Uh, it was the most. It was the most thing we've seen before in a movie, you know. So that's it, why uh, when it happened, it really took me aback. Uh huh. Because I'm like, really, this is where we're going. Yeah, but okay. But it did. But I and 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 the trope is definitely overused. But I feel like they used it well. Still, like it was like like it was like it was definitely a tool I've seen used a billion times. But in the hands of a master, I st I'm like, well, you used it well though. So I I I can't com I, I I can only complain that you used a tool I've already seen before. But you did a damn good job with it. So. In terms of like, yeah. in, in terms of having twenty two, like you know, learn about life and stuff. So. I, I thought the the movie I, I really think that it suffered from trying to accomplish a little too much. Oh, uh, you think so? Um, I really liked both the Earth and uh, Spirit World parts of it separately. Uh huh. So you think they don't mesh well together? In my opinion, it did not mesh well um, for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's where it kind of, kind of lost me a bit, but, um, I, I thought, I thought it was a, a, a darn solid movie. Like, I, I liked it. 
I'm just not in love with it like I know a lot of people are. It, it's a it's a solid movie. Another one has good animation. Um, Tina Fey's hilarious. Oh yeah. Jamie Foxx does a great job. It has some. Uh, it has some good philosophical themes. I I would have liked them to go even further with some of those. Um, but it I, it was a solid movie. Yeah. Um, again, I, I I didn't get out of it what you did, but I'm glad that you got uh what you got out of it. Yeah. What they do? What they do when he gets what he wants? Because they do this whole you know the whole thing of a character needs to get or really wants one thing and is trying to get it by the end. And they do the thing that I really liked uh, in Shazam, where they're like, "All right, give them what they want, see if they still want, <laughs> and see if they still like it." You know what I mean? <laughs> Where like you yeah, know, where, true. That's a good point. and and I like it when you know instead of a character not getting it, they get it on to realize that um like that metaphor says uh, like you know like I you know this is water I I want the ocean and you're like uh, you're in the ocean buddy <laughs> and you you know you're like you're not you're like you're not realizing that um just because this is what you love and what brings you joy that is not all of you and you know it is not all the things that can bring you joy it's it's uh as they said in the movie to think of uh you know your spark is just like we like that one thing that you love is uh is too simplistic you know what i mean it's too it's too small minded you know what i mean too basic and so i really like that we're more complex than that. Exactly. Like, we take joy in a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, one's career is great, and, you know, it can bring them joy, but it is not all of them, and it is not the, and it, and it shouldn't be the only, and it shouldn't be a person's only source of joy or fulfillment. Yeah, I mean, look at me. I'm, like, as passionate as one can be about their job, and I love being a park ranger. It's part of my identity, but, you know, I... I'm obsessed about movies. I love hiking and photography uh, as well. And, you know, there's so many other things. I listen to podcasts constantly. We're making a podcast. Love doing that. So, yeah, we're not just one thing. We're a combination of uh, a whole bunch of different sparks and uh, interests. And I definitely like, and I, I think that, I think for, uh, I think for kids watching it, that's a very powerful message, if you know what I mean. Because a lot of people, because definitely when you're young, you know, you get that question, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And for, you know, a while anyway, you, you can kind of almost kind of grow up with this mindset that you're just, that your goal is to become this one thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> and this, you know, and, and this one thing may not define everything about you, but it's going to be like... Hope like if it brings you joy, you know the thing you do until you want to retire or you die. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, yeah. for it to just say, uh, you know, like that's great, and do that, and but 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 even if you get the thing you want, uh, it's gonna become normal. You know what I mean? It's like that. It, it's like that first high, right? You know what I mean? Of of, of anything, like it's always like you're you're always gonna be chasing it, and it won't feel great. Like uh, I I was this I heard. Uh, I, uh, these guys talking about this movie earlier today. They're talking about Trent Reznor, who, of course, is uh, from Nine Inch Nails, and he was uh, and and he he was talking about how he really resonated watching the animatics of the scene where uh, where the main character you know gets to do what he wants, and then kind of after it's over, he realizes that he doesn't feel any different. 
and he's like, and you know, like we, you know, and a lot of movies are uh, are kind of designed. You know, a lot of the lesser films, I think, are kind of designed to set our minds to that idea that if we that if this character achieves what they want, uh, it solves their entire life, and then end credits. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that, and that, and that, that's never the case in reality. And you know, it's it's good to go out on a high note, but it's good, but it's not. But I, I will say that uh, it's 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 definitely uh not showing the the rest of the iceberg if you're going to like leave it on the note of just you know just achieve your goals and like life will just be perpetually better from now to the, from, you know from now till death it's like no you're going to be happy and then you're going to feel the same again and you're going to and and, you, and you're going to wake up and you know you know uh, Trent Reznor was talking about if uh, or he, not if but uh when he like did like his first sold out concert when he went home he was like I I feel I don't feel any different <laughs> Like I thought that, like if I did, if I you know once I you know made it big, that uh, things would be different. But it's it's not. <laughs> like it feels good at the time, and you know, and you can still you know keep getting that that uh, that rush of endorphins, you know, if, you know, from performing and making great music. But it's uh, expectations are uh, expectations versus reality is a is a hard lesson to learn, and we all learn it at different times. <laughs> It's very true. So, but uh, yeah, that's what I got to say about Soul. I didn't actually review it uh, for this podcast, so that is my review of it now. <laughs> All right, excellent. But uh, yeah, let's hop over to some honorable mentions before I hit my number two. All right. So um, what, what do you got? First one I got is Love and Monsters. <laughs> Love and Monsters, okay. Yeah, so that is with uh, Dylan O'Brien. I think is his name. Yeah, the uh, the, uh, the Maze Runner, right? Maze Runner guy, yeah. And uh, this is like an action adventure comedy. Well, I'd say an action adventure rom com of sorts. Um, essentially, the uh, monster apocalypse happens, and like most of the world dies, and everyone lives in like bunkers and colonies. Uh huh. And this one guy who lived in Fairfield, California, by the way, what? Uh, which got destroyed. No! He had just been dating this girl, and then, like, five, uh, I think, like, five years later happened. Uh, they both survived, but in different colonies, so he goes after, and it's, like, super dangerous to go above the, uh, above the surface and he's like kind of useless in his colony but like everyone likes him <laughs> like, oh you're a cool guy i like you but like he just like makes minestrone is like the only thing he does <laughs> it's uh it's funny and bill o'brien like hams it up and it's just really just have it's one of those movies where you can tell everyone's having fun uh from the review uh, i heard about it it sounded like it had a very zombie land type tone a bit, a little bit, yeah. It, it's definitely Zombieland adjacent. Nice. Well, yeah, I, I heard about it. I heard it was fun. Uh, definitely on my list of uh, of fun things to check out at some point. On my list, number one I have for my uh, uh, honorable mentions was uh, The Devil All the Time. I didn't, I didn't get to that one. So this one stars, um, actually, big cast people. Um, yeah. It's got, uh, it's got Spider-Man, uh, Tom... Holland. It's got uh, Batman. It's, uh, yeah, it's got definitely got. It's, it's got Batman as a um, as a molestery preacher. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Maybe that's why I didn't want that. <laughs> I got I got a feeling about this. But I'm getting a real molester vibe. Yeah. Like, I knew there was a reason I didn't see that movie. It's, it's like all I will say is uh, molestation is the least bad thing you will see in this movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well, it, well, it is called the devil all the time, and it definitely Fair goes. Enough. It is, uh, yeah, it is excellent. Uh, very well filmed. Uh, the first time I've really, really loved Tom Holland. I definitely have beef with his Spider Man. Not really yes, because of, I, not really I because of, not really because of him, but more because of how they write his character. But this is the first time I've, I've, I've got to separate him from the character and see him just acting as somebody else. And uh, he's damn good. He is, uh, he is damn good, and I really enjoy him. Uh, Robert Pattinson is great. Um, there's this guy in this movie that um, he played uh, the Dursley kid in um, Harry Potter, the one that always picked on Harry Potter. Yes, and uh, uh, and and Dudley. he's like, yeah, Dudley. He played Dudley, and he's uh, he's grown up. <laughs> and he was in another movie this year. Uh, yeah, I don't know which movie. I know I saw him in. I, uh, he I, was I, in the Old Guard. Oh, really? I ha- oh, I, I, yes. I I'm, I'm like halfway through that. I, I haven't. Oh, oh, was he the tech guy? Yeah. Okay, so I have seen him before. Harry, and, Harry Melling is his name. Yeah, I saw him in um, I saw him in the Queen's Gambit. So. That's where yeah, I. Yeah, he, he's had a big comeback. This, this is year. this is this is his year for sure. But he's a, <laughs> but uh, he's uh, he's in there, or uh, he's also very good. Uh, just a very good movie. Um, I'm gonna say it's a it's a bit abstract in terms of like what its theme is, but uh, in terms of like acting and technically, like everything that happens is well done. Acting is fantastic. It's just uh, it's just a bit of a downer, and I uh, I stress quite a bit of a downer. <laughs> a movie called The Devil All the Time. I uh, I wouldn't expect less, and it definitely delivers on that. But yeah, uh, The Devil All the Time. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, check it out. All right. Um, another one for me is called Buffaloed. Okay. Um, this is starring Zoe, Zoe Deutsch. Okay. And, uh, and she was the best part of Zombieland 2. Oh, yeah, um, I love her. Yeah, she was great in that she movie. She played Madison, and, oh, she was, like I said, she was the best part of that movie. Uh, so she's, she stars as a hometown, uh, hustler. Who decides uh, to become a debt collector huh. uh, to escape her like money problems? Think of like the Big Short, but for debt collecting. But yeah. it has its own like spins as well, um, and she is just so damn charming, and uh, it's also really funny as well. And I just had a just a fun time. Uh, with it, what's his name, uh, from Jai Courtney, plays the bad guy, and, like, doing the whole, like, one note, I think he might be Russian, bad guy, but just, like, killing it. Wait, wait. <laughs> Jai Courtney's good again? Yeah, in, in, he has specific things he does. <laughs> well, the problem is he can't do much <laughs> except for that like one thing 
you know, I did say a one note villain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was. I, I, I mean, I thought he was surprisingly one of the better things about Suicide Squad. But <laughs> so. he was. He was. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! Is that Jai Courtney playing a character? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He that that was a surprise. So, but yeah, okay. And and, and this one is called what again? Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. I'll, uh, definitely. It, 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 it is set in Buffalo, New York, and they talk so much shit about Buffalo. It's hilarious. Well, I'm well. I'm. I hope. I hope the writers or director is from there. Otherwise, they make it a lot of shit. <laughs> I, I think they are. Yeah, I, it, it's it's very much like that movie, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's like you have to live, like you have to live there and love it to hate it. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, number one on my list was uh, seventy five hundred. Uh, it was it was a that's a good movie. That yeah, it was like just a a tight like thriller in out like really it, efficient movie. It got the job done. I was I, I was a uh, you know, like I would definitely say like you know like definitely like super tension filled probably like you know very close next to Invisible Man of just great tension. Yeah. Uh, they go there. Uh, they definitely. Uh, do some sacrifices that I thought hit hit hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it, and, uh, and it, JGL at his best. JGL was great. Like best moment for me was when uh, the kid was like, "Oh, you have, you know when he's talking when they're talking in the cockpit and he says, um, "Oh, you said you had a kid, so do you have a wife?" And he just doesn't answer, and he just kind of stares at him, and he kind of tears up, and I was like, "Damn, that's." Right, that's the that's the that's that's the moment of the movie right there. Good job, JGL. You you killed it. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, seventy five hundred. Just a just uh, just just I would say like an above solid thriller for sure. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing that took me out of that movie, and it's a really like stupid thing, is the bad guy at a certain point pees in the cockpit, and it's like. You know, this is like a multi-million, like, million-dollar aircraft, and you're peeing in the cockpit? Well, Come it, on! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. So. <laughs> that just took me out of it. It's just a real stupid thing. Two points off. <laughs> right? Exactly. That's why you didn't uh, make my... List. Uh, uh, just, just, just one piss jar away from making that top jar. ten. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got, I got two more. All right, hit me. Uh, I got uh, Crip Camp. It's actually a documentary. Um, about a uh, camp up in, I want to say somewhere in New York in the '60s, where they, uh, it was for people with uh, disabilities. Okay. And so there's a lot of archival uh, uh, footage, and you have people talking about it. But then a lot of people in uh, this camp, who went to this camp in this particular summer, uh, ended up being big in the movement uh, for uh, civil rights for people with disabilities and getting uh, Section 504 Section 508, which are the accessibility um, acts in the Civil Rights Act, uh-huh. um, which I actually deal with in my job with, like, anytime I 
do something on social media or anytime I do like a bulletin board, you have to make sure it's 504 accessible. But it kind of talks about these people and how they uh, marched and demonstrated and put the pressure on Washington to finally give them equal rights, uh, which eventually led to the ADA uh, in, you know, the 80s. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, it's one of those uh, that's on Netflix, and uh, it was uh, executive produced by uh, Barack and Michelle Obama. Gotcha. Wait, is that one of their, because I know that I heard they got a Netflix deal like, like a yeah, year or two they ago. Yeah, got a Netflix deal. So is that one of their projects uh, they were talking about? That's one of their projects. Yeah, one of their other ones, I think, won for Best Documentary last year as well. Mm. Um, another one. I, I can't think of the name of it. But yeah, it was really interesting, really cool. I've been doing a lot of trainings and stuff for accessibility-wise uh, during like the pandemic. Um, so it, it just kind of hooked on to me since I, I kind of think that way. And it's interesting to see the effort behind the things that I do now for the accessibility for my job, like where it came from and how much effort and, uh, blood, sweat and tears went into it and how it all started at this little summer camp that was really unique that no one, you know, everyone just had fun and they acted like they were anyone else and they got experiences they didn't have at that time. Mm. And it's called Crip Camp? Crip Camp. Okay. And it's, on, and, it's, and, it's still, and it's still on Netflix now? It's on Netflix. Cool. Well, I'll definitely uh, throw that on my list and, and, and catch up. I got one more I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about. And this one came out. This is one of the movies I actually, still, I actually saw in theaters. And this was, uh, God forbid, a good movie that came out in January. <laughs> Uh, and it was the gentleman. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen that one. I've heard mixed. I've heard very mixed about that movie. Oh, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I think I, I, I reviewed it back in January. I think I gave like an eight point five out of ten. Uh, it's just so much fun. <laughs> it is just so much fun. It, you know, it, 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 it hops around a lot. Uh, and it's, like it's a, it's a non chronological order, but in a fun way. <laughs> Uh, the dialogue is great, as you know. Uh, Guy Ritchie, I think, is, uh, is 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 pretty good at doing the uh, uh, the uh, the snappy dialogue. Very Tarantino influence, but uh, uh, but in a good way. Uh, like you, you can see the influence, but you, can, but you can definitely see that he that he has developed that he has his own style of things for sure. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is fantastic. Uh, I believe Henry Golding's in there as well. He's great. Uh, what's his name? Who's that actor? That uh, the British guy, not not uh, not the Kingsman guy, but the other guy. There was like two British guys that like were like the it was Colin Firth and who's the other guy? I keep forgetting. Karen Egerton. No, Edgerton? no, the other Colin Firth. Uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, Hugh Grant. There we go. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah, Hugh Grant plays this super slimy detective, or like like uh, like Private Eye that's trying to like blackmail like a mobster. <laughs> And this is like the first time I've ever seen him play a character like this, and he is, uh, he is, uh, he is wonderfully disgusting. <laughs> so, uh, if you just want to like have a good time, throw on the gentleman, sir. All right, I will for sure. And 
The last one was, and this one was just, I laughed my ass off at this movie, uh, and it was heartwarming as well. Bill and Ted face the music. Nice. I uh, haven't seen that one only because I have uh, I have committed I have committed the uh, atrocious act of not seeing the first two. Ah, see, I uh, I I hadn't seen the second one uh, so I watched all three before uh, or I watched the first two and then watched the third one uh, all in a row and I want to say it essentially takes this won't mean anything to you, but it essentially takes the best parts of the first two movies, uh huh, puts its own spin on it, uh huh, and and and, and uh, uh, serves it up to you. Okay, it, it's heartwarming. Um, there, uh, they both have daughters. Uh, one is played by um, Samara Weaving. I know that uh, name. She was in Ready or Not. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, she looks like uh, Margot Robbie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. And then the other one uh, is uh, Bridget uh, Letty Payne. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she was in, um, I think it's a Netflix series called Atypical. She had a small role in... Um, what was that Fox News movie? Bombshell? Bombshell, yeah. Yeah, she was one of like the assistants or something mm. uh, uh, for uh, Charlie Theron's character. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, they they play... So I think uh, Bridget Letty Payne is... Uh, oh, I'm forgetting their names. Uh Keanu Reeves' daughter, and uh, then Samara Weaving plays Alex Winter's daughter, and they play their daughters, like, so well, it's ridiculous. Um, and the cool thing is is um, the Bill and Ted go on their own adventure, and then the two uh, daughters, also named Bill and Ted, but switched, uh-huh. so Bill's daughter's named Ted, and then uh, Ted's daughter's named Bill, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they go on their own adventure, uh, which is kind of like their father's in the first film, right? Um, but uh, it's just, yeah, I saw the incoming like a mile away, but when it came, it was just so heartwarming, and you know, I just laughed, and it was another one that just brought me joy, and. It, it was everything I wanted it to be. So, it, you know, it sounds like some good old-fashioned escapism, sir. Yeah, it really was. You know, it did have a really good message, which I love. Um, but uh, there's nothing profound here. No. It's just fun. And it does have enough of, me- uh, of a message and themes uh, to keep me going, because otherwise... I, I go crazy, but it has enough of that to keep me on board, and it was just lovely. Awesome. Well, I'll have to like watch the whole trilogy at some point. <laughs> that I... second one, I'm not a fan of it, but it's like so weird that it just sticks with you. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know about it. I mean, it's definitely I don't know. <laughs> 
All right, cool. Well, I'll definitely. Uh, do you, do I need to watch the second one to enjoy to enjoy the third one? If I just watch the first one. Uh yeah, because there's some characters from the second one that aren't in the first one. Gotcha. That are in the third one. Gotcha. All right. Well, I will uh, hit up that Bill and Ted trilogy uh, some point this year. Um, all right. I guess we're gonna hop into my uh, my number two. I guess. Yes, so, which is your de facto number one. My, my de facto n- number one by being the only one not on either of our lists. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, the Cornet Mon- Monduzzo film, Pieces of a Woman. Oh, I haven't gotten to this one. Finally, I beat you. <laughs> ah, Aha! You you got one. I got one. There's always one. There's always one. Yeah, I actually watched this one last night with my girl because I'm like, I gotta get this one in before the list. I gotta get this uh, one in. Yeah. But That's yeah. That's the one I, I missed. But yeah, man. Uh, holy cannoli. This is a uh, this is a heartbreaker. This is a heartbreaker, but in all the best ways. Uh, probably the greatest like childbirth film or scene I've ever seen filmed. <laughs> Because uh, there's a scene where you know the character played by played incredibly by Vanessa Kirby, also just Oscar worthy performance. Um, I thought it was that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's the scene where she's where, where she's having her baby, and it's uh, it's all seemingly done in one one take, and it like starts and, and and I'm talking like starting off with her just kind of walking around, kind of having contractions to the midwife showing up because they're having an in home birth, to like them getting in the tub and and the camera's just like like moving around the house as they're moving around and just you know getting ready to have this kid and it is one of the i I mean it was just beautifully shot and it and 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 they don't use the whole one take as a gimmick it was literally just for that particular scene because that kind of is the catalyst for the rest of the movie but uh it is uh it is phenomenal her acting is amazing shia labeouf is just proving that he just needs to be in indie films <laughs> because when he's in indie films, he's generally like great. <laughs> and he and this is a this uh, and this movie is no exception. He is uh he is fantastic in this one as well. Everyone's great in this film, especially uh the the actress that plays uh Vanessa Kirby's mom as well. There's a great thing going. There's a great interesting bit of conflict going on there. But uh yeah, this movie is uh damn. <laughs> it uh it it definitely hits in the feels. It definitely, uh, it like it definitely ends with a uh, with a with a uh, a hopeful outlook, despite uh, how just how inescapably dark its subject matter is. <laughs> so I always uh, I, w- I always appreciate uh, when a film goes, you know, is it, it, able to find the light in a uh, in a very very deep darkness. So yeah, uh, pieces of a woman is my de facto number one. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I might try to watch that uh, tomorrow. Yeah, it's on net. If, if I can find it, it's on Netflix, sir. Oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. oh. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Just, uh, I believe it just came out this past week. So that's why I missed it. Yeah. yeah I've, yeah, I've, I, I, I've been looking for it too, and I'm just like, ah, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> so. 
but uh luckily i was able to i, I was uh i was like oh yeah I, and i know actually my girl was like so i want to, I want to see that movie pieces of a woman and i'm like yeah I, I, but I've been, I've been looking for it everywhere she's like oh it's on netflix it is we're watching it tonight <laughs> <laughs> so got that in for uh for the for the uh the win and uh it quickly jumped up to the top within you know 12 hours so <laughs> but yeah man uh that was that was fun yes we had some good lists good list for sure man uh just um looking forward to podcasting with you in in this uh in this year our lord the year of 2021 boy <laughs> hopefully we can uh go to the theaters again sir uh maybe even go yeah. to the theaters together this year that would be oh, nice <laughs> that would be the theater so much. Dude, I forgot uh, the dude. I forgot the last movie I saw with you in theaters. <laughs> it's been a while. I, uh, was it Power Rangers? Maybe. Damn. <laughs> was it Power Rangers? That came out like in what 2017, 2018? Or maybe I know we saw uh, Ghost in a Shell. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, man. Here's a uh, here's to the uh, the next year of movies. Hopefully, we can see more of these uh, on the big screen where they belong. Let's just hope that theaters survive enough yeah. to like still have movies in theaters, man. Because um, I know it is a luxury, but it, it's also I feel like going to the movies is kind of a super important thing to like still have in society, like this kind of communal thing where people who don't even know each other just kind of all come together and enjoy something together. It, um, Some of my favorite experiences are uh, seeing something on opening night. You yeah. Know? The, 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 two, the two I can think of are like big franchises. Uh, you know, seeing Force Awakens opening night with nerds along with myself, and I was a part of those nerds, and uh, Avengers Endgame opening night. And, yeah. You know, we, we just all are excited, and there's just like – the atmosphere in the room and everyone's just geeked out and they're not afraid to just be nerds about it because we know we all love this shit. And yeah. It, you know, in, in Avengers Endgame, when uh, Cap says uh, Avengers Assemble, I literally jumped out of my seat and went, yeah! <laughs> raised, raised my hands over my head and then I look around Everyone's just looking at me. Like, you know what? Gonna, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the hell is his problem? <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, but it was just fun because uh, you could do that because you were with your people. Yep. It's like they understood. They definitely yeah. understood. So. And I just, I want that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. We don't. I, I, I've been. Yeah, this, 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 this pandemic has uh, separated us for far too long, <laughs> and we need to come back together. Uh, I know if we can only do it so far, you know, over the phone or on Facetime or on Skype, but uh, like in room human connection is is just it's just too important to just kind of like let it go the way the dinosaurs. So hopefully we'll have theaters. Uh, back again soon and uh i will be watching movies next to you next to russell next to matt next to my girl next to all that 
And, yes. uh, and, oh, I can't wait, buddy. And we can at least get back to some form of a uh, some form of a community of people just enjoying something together, no matter what side of what aisle we're on. We can just enjoy the simple things together. So. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, let me close this out then, sir. Thank you for joining us at first glance. You can find us on Podbean, and you can find us on the iTunes. I am Jeremy McKinley. I'm Brian Powers. And thank you for joining us.